Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. So we've come to the end of our first day, near the end of our first day of retreat together. And I'm happy to get to share some reflections with you on what we're doing here. So sometimes the end of the first day of retreat seems mighty long. uh, Or for some of you, it may have gone by very quickly. I'm sure you've spent a lot of time looking at the schedule by now, (laughs) studying it carefully, uh, as I have done myself at some times in the past. I remember doing the first uh, retreat that I uh, did of this forum about 20 years ago uh, in a similar center in the East Coast. And the schedule was very much the same, like sitting, walking, sitting, walking, eating, sitting, walking, right? And then subsequent to that, I went on to do a much longer retreat, a three-month retreat. And I remember calling them to ask what we were going to be doing on that uh, retreat. And they said, sitting, walking, sitting, walking, (laughs) eating, And I said, well, but what are the more advanced people going to be doing? The people who have experience, right? Uh, And they said, no, the same thing, sitting, walking, sitting, walking, eating, right? So I thought, huh, maybe maybe there's some secret thing going on for people who have experience. But uh, it turns out not. 20 years later, still I go and retreat, and it's sitting, walking, sitting, walking, eating, right? (laughs) And when you look at the schedule, you can see that actually all of this describes uh, activities of the body, right? So we're basically doing nothing in a variety of different postures uh, (laughs) all day, right? So if it seems like you're really busy, uh, kind of you are, but kind of you aren't, right? (laughs) The mind may be busy, but, uh, you know, we're not really doing anything, right? So you can just kind of relax and try to be present uh, with uh, your experience. So this retreat is actually really a beautiful lab a great lab setting to be able to see what is really true about our lives and what is really true about who we think we are, what is really true about our body, what is really true about our mind, what is it that causes us suffering, what is it that causes us happiness. And what's it all about? In in many different ways, this is a great setting to be able to see this. And a lot of the conditions that are here in this kind of strange uh, environment that we're in are really set up to help us to see this. So a lot of times we live in our ideas about things, our ideas about our life. Right? Uh, and here in retreat, we get the experience of as much as possible just trying to be with how things are in a very simple way. Right? And really in a very simple and embodied way. So more of the complex activities that you may or may not do in your life are actually stripped away. And you're invited to do really simple things like sitting and breathing, or walking back and forth, or eating lunch. But actually in all of these activities are the very opportunities for us to see everything we need to see to be liberated. 
So I find this very uh, encouraging about this path. It's not about something like very, you know, you have to create some big airy-fairy theory of something or need to understand some intellectual uh, complex thing. Uh, This practice of mindfulness is actually very accessible for all of us. In fact, actually, mindfulness now is taught uh, to uh, kids in school also. So little kids, one of my friends teaches in uh, elementary schools, and they have them sit for a little while, and then they have like a little rain stick. They turn the rain stick upside down. They listen to the sound. So mindfulness is just being present with things the way that they are, which all of us can do. Like all of us have the possibility to do that and to increase how much of that there is in our lives. And the potential for what that can bring is really profound. So here's the Buddha's words around this practice that we're doing. This is the direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way, for the realization of liberation, namely the foundations of mindfulness. So what we're going to be practicing here and what we are practicing here are these foundations of mindfulness. So we'll be practicing and talking about mindfulness of the body. So being present with the body, being aware of the body, just as it is, seeing into what its true nature is, what it really is. We'll be practicing with awareness of the heart, of mind states, emotions, uh, of thoughts, and basically of all the aspects of our human life. So today I'd like to focus on this mindfulness of the body, which is really where we started uh, in the retreat. So mindfulness, as I mentioned, is about seeing things as they really are. So it's a non-judgmental awareness. So you can be mindful of anything. Mindfulness doesn't uh, only need to see beautiful things. Uh, Mindfulness can see things that are pleasant, things that are unpleasant. Mindfulness always happens in the present moment. And the body is a really helpful tool for bringing us back into the present moment. So you may have noticed this uh, in your life. If you're doing something kind of absentmindedly and you bump your hand or stub your toe, right? immediately, boom, that pain brings you back. Usually at the moment, we don't thank our bodies. We're not so grateful for that or for burning our hand or something like that. But uh, I know I have many scars, right, different places from such experiences, right? Not paying attention fully and then, like, ouch, all right, okay. And usually at those times, I was lost in thought about something that wasn't actually happening right now, right? But connecting with the body, connecting with the body's experience can bring you right back. So we actually started this retreat with uh, the recitation of the precepts and the refuges. The precepts are actually all talking about different actions of body. So in developing our beloved community here, we started out by taking together the determinations to pay attention to the actions of the body in these particular ways. So killing. Destroying life takes an action of the body. Taking something that's not offered usually requires action of the body, stretching out, something like that, a grasping. We've renounced sexual activity, celibacy. So cultivating our energy and focusing it on being present, 
this also has to do with action of the body. Speech, right? letting go of speech for this period of time, unless it's necessary speech. And then also paying attention to what we take in. So intoxicants that might cloud the mind. So paying attention to the body. Right? So we start with that as a way of developing this sense of safety and protection, right? paying attention to these particular areas. And then we continue on. So the next instruction that we got when we are sitting is to pay attention to the breath. So mostly what we've been doing today in the instructions is connecting with the breath as you feel it in your body. So it could be in your chest, it could be in your nose, just being there, just being present. So this is actually an experience of embodiment. So mindfulness, the sense of awareness, which sometimes I like to also uh, reflect on as heartfulness because there's a quality of love and kindness in being non-judgmental, right? Is actually developing this sense of presence and embodiment. So in any tradition, you may have met people who you feel like, oh, this person is a very holy person. So regardless of what they call their religion or their background or anything like that. And in my experience, one thing that's similar among people who feel like uh, these kinds of people is that there's a sense of embodiment there. There's a sense of presence, right? So regardless of what the theory is or the rituals or the name for it, there's a sense of being present, right? So that's actually what we're practicing here is being present in this way. And in these practices with the breath, it's just something that's always there. So can I be present? Can I be embodied in this way? Just connecting with the breathing, this activity that's happened from the day you were born, ongoing, and will continue on until your death. When you connect with the breath also in this way of bringing presence, you're actually connecting to the sense of uh, interconnection in a way. So we're all breathing the same air in this room. right? So we have been now for a day already, and then we're breathing out the air. And then the plants and everything around is doing the opposite respirating uh, opposite. So we're actually all part of this same system. So this breathing in, breathing out, you're being present with your own experience, so to speak, of that, right? But we're actually connected to everyone and everything through this act. I'll read further about the Buddha's words on this mindfulness, right? So we pay attention to the breath and then we pay attention to the body in a variety of different ways. A practitioner abides contemplating the body as body, ardent, fully aware, and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. So, being present in the body as the body. So not our idea of what it's like, but actually what it's like. Ardent, fully aware, and mindful. I like the ardent part of it. You don't think of ardent as having to do with meditation sometimes. You think of ardent as having to do with like being a lover, right? Being passionate about something. But you're encouraged to bring the same sense of ardency, passion, right? Into your attention, to your own life. So there can be some adjustment when you come on meditation retreat. So many of you have probably left your partners, your family members, right? 
and come here. And then maybe you feel like, oh, I'm kind of alone, right? Or some of you maybe live alone, and then suddenly you're here with 99 housemates, and you think, oh, I'm very much not alone, right? Also adjustment, right? But in either case, like, there is this way in which uh, you can reflect on this time as um, sort of your own uh, weak getaway uh, with yourself. So sometimes if you start in a new relationship, you're very into this person, and you think, like, oh, we should go away somewhere together. You know, we want to spend all this time staring into each other's eyes and learning about each other and spend all this time together, you know, get away from the rest of the world, right? So here's what you're doing this week with yourself. So this is like your own romantic getaway with yourself here, right? So ardent. So bring that sense of ardency, right? So you can bring that sense of love, like, oh, this is my time to actually pay attention to myself, pay attention to my own process, my own body, my own mind, right? And actually with the same sense of love, interest, and kindness that you might have showered upon this other person, right? Like, oh, I'm equally worthy of that. Let me actually pay attention in this loving, kind way to what's really here. Who am I, right? How is this feeling? What is the body like? So actually really connecting in that way. Having put away covetousness and grief for the world. So covetousness is like wanting something to happen. Grief is like uh, sadness about something that had happened, right? So you might have had plenty of covetousness and grief thus far uh, as you're sitting around here. So the main thing in this is to actually have the intention to be present, right? So meaning that it's good to orient oneself towards like, okay, this is what I'm doing here is trying to be present, right? Then the covetousness and grief can like sneak in these thoughts of like, oh, I wish I had this, or I miss this, right? But it's good to have the orientation that, you know, what I'm doing here is not sitting down and making a list of like all the things I miss, or, you know, um, all the meals I'm going to have when I get to go and choose my own food, or, you know, something like that, right? Uh, Because it can be very easy to spend a lot of time sitting and thinking, right, as you may have uh, noticed. So thinking is always good in its own place, but here what we're trying to do is be present. So as much as possible, putting away covetousness and grief for the world. So here's some further instructions from the Buddha. So this mindfulness of the body includes everything. So, you know, we have in the schedule sitting, walking, but actually includes everything because we are embodied uh, creatures. We are embodied beings. So in walking, knowing that you're walking, when standing, knowing that you're standing. When sitting, knowing you're, stand, you're sitting. When lying down, knowing you're lying down. Or, accordingly, however your body is disposed. A practitioner is one who acts in full awareness when going forward and returning, when looking ahead and looking away, when flexing and extending limbs, when wearing clothes and carrying their bowl, who acts in full awareness when eating, drinking, consuming food, and tasting, who acts in full awareness when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking, and keeping silent, who acts in full awareness when defecating and urinating. In this way, you abide contemplating the body as the body and abide independent, not clinging to anything in the world. So all of these are activities that we do, right? So you put on your clothes, take off your clothes here, uh, urinating and defecating, we did not put on the schedule, but you're doing that, you know, and uh, you're encouraged also to do that mindfully, actually, right? 
So you might feel sometimes this relief when you finally go into the bathroom, like, oh, I'm finally alone. I don't have to practice anymore. But actually, you can bring that sense of presence into even that activity. Uh, Actually, I feel like we should do a whole retreat about uh, practice in the bathroom. I think it's actually a very profound uh, area for uh, meditation uh, practice. A lot to pay attention to uh, around the body there, right? And then the other side on eating. So we're going to practice to give instructions on eating meditation later on. Uh, tomorrow. But you'll notice that a lot of the day is spent doing these kinds of very simple activities. Right? One of the things I like about Spirit Rock, actually, is that uh, as a retreat center, it's kind of spread out. right? So it forces you to have to face the elements in some way. Right? And it forces you to have to go outside. So if you're someone who leads usually like a fairly sedentary existence in an office or something, right? Uh, it's much easier to forget about your body in some ways. So it should just be like a head and a computer screen interfacing. Right? But here, you have to go outside. So you've walked up and down that hill numerous times. Right? We get up early here, and it's kind of cold, you notice. Then it gets warmer as the day goes on. You notice on retreat, when there's nothing else to distract yourself, that we spend an inordinate amount of time feeding ourselves, cleaning up after feeding ourselves, washing ourselves, excreting the results of feeding ourselves, right? Like the body is really, really here all the time, right? And it's not very glamorous either. Right? I was taking a walk uh, earlier today before the evening meal and um, ran into many other embodied creatures, as you probably have on the land. So I saw a little mouse uh, who was eating something, and then ran into his little mouse hole. Uh, I saw some deer also eating something. Uh, I saw those turkeys. You've probably seen the turkeys around. Right? Uh, they had their little turkey gang, uh, eating and defecating. Right? And I was just reflecting, like, oh, yeah, we're all doing the same thing here. You know? <laughs> I don't know how much mindfulness they were bringing to their activities, but really, you know, when you get down to it, uh, even though we have much more, you know, seemingly uh, complex lives, uh, we are these animal creatures too, right? So let us bring presence to this aspect of our existence too, right? So we don't have to skip over it into some spiritual realm, you know? Like actually, the practice here is to be really present with these really simple things. The story of the, the Buddha himself can be seen as a story about embodiment. So he was a guy who uh, lived in India 2,600 years ago. And he had a pretty comfortable life, sort of cushy life. Right? And then he had some uh, sort of existential kind of like, well, what's it all about? What's, what's going on outside? Right? So he left his cushy life. And while he left his cushy life, he actually encountered a sick person, an old person, a corpse. Right? So these different aspects of embodiment that are actually true for all of us, right? All of us are getting older. All of us are subject to having sickness in our body. And eventually, all of us will die. So being confronted with these aspects of embodiment, he wanted to find out what it's all about. So he embarked on this spiritual search. And having spent a good deal of his life being very comfortable, he actually started out going the other extreme. So he started out practicing all kinds of austerity practices. 
So starving himself, causing pain, right? Seeing if that would be some way. And it actually wasn't, right? So that wasn't really the way to liberation, he found. So then he, he learned other practices of stilling the mind, concentrating the mind. That in and of itself also wasn't the way to liberation. And then he actually used that focus, that concentration of mind, to look into the way things are, including in the body, right? including in the mind, in just what's really present, and penetrated to a very deep extent that. And that is the practice that led to liberation for him, which he then taught. So then what he taught was actually the middle way, right? So liberation actually can be found through our very simple and humble human bodies, through paying attention. So other things that you notice with your body when you're sitting uh, is that uh, it can be hard to sit still for a really long time, right? So what happens? Like, why couldn't we just have one sitting a day, right? Uh, or if we want to do sitting and walking, why don't we have one four-hour sitting and one four-hour walking period, right? That would maybe simplify and get rid of a lot of the shuffling in and out, right? So a good deal of it has to do with the body, right? The body becomes uncomfortable, as you may have noticed. And it's only when we sit and pay attention that we actually notice this over and over and over again. So this is actually part of the truth of our existence, which the Buddha described as uh, dukkha, dukkha, unsatisfactoriness. Dukkha is like uh, painfulness, strain, stress. See, one of the translations in the past was like that if there's a potter's wheel and it goes around and around, but there's like a little bit that's off, so it's going... It's like a little bit off all the time, right? Or I think a modern version of this is um, if you go to a restaurant and there's a table and you sit down at the table and it's a little bit unbalanced in one of the legs. So there's, you know, constantly you're eating with someone, like this little tipping, little water spills, right? (laughs) The plates slide a little, you know, then you get it back to normal, does again, right? It does it hundreds of times, right, during your meal. You try stuffing napkins and things, right? still is like tipping a little. So this is actually the truth of our life with our body too. So you probably have already spent some time trying to arrange your cushions in a way that will prevent this right? situation from arising. Right? So sort it out like this, I'll pile them up like this. You know, uh, Gina helped with the posture, sit like this. Right? And still, if we had that four-hour sitting, likely uh, this would come back, right? this dukkha, right? this unsatisfactoriness of the body. There's nothing wrong with seeking comfort and pleasure in the body, but it also is helpful to face the fact that uh, this is not all of our existence. So the fact that this is not all of our existence means that uh, it's not really going to be a recipe for happiness, this avoiding unpleasant feelings in the body. We don't even know that this is what we're trying to do all the time, is to avoid unpleasant feelings in the body. But actually much of our life and much of our movements are related to this. So notice how you're sitting right now. And remember if this is actually the posture that you started listening to the talk in, in some way. Right? So for many of us, it's not. Even for me also, right? I changed my posture. And that change in posture was due to some slight unpleasantness in the body right? that then made me shift. Right? And this happens constantly. Right? 
So you might say, like, so what? So, you know, okay, it's hard to sit still. I knew that already. Now you've come here, and uh, that's what I'm learning. So one of the things that we're learning, actually, in being able to be present with this is can we actually be present with this, with this aspect of mindfulness, to just see it as it is? So you can just see the body as the body. And the body is both beautiful and also uh, disgusting. You know, frankly, there's like both things and both are true. Right? It's kind of like two sides of the same coin. Right? So there's one aspect of reflection in the body that's like, it's this kind of bag of gooey stuff you know, that you're constantly like squeezing dead matter into and chewing up and swallowing and digesting and you know, the intestines and, you know, like, you know, if you've ever seen, like, dissections, it's, like, all kind of messy in there, right? And sometimes this aspect is more apparent. So particularly, like, if you're sick, right, uh, it becomes more apparent that, you know, you're sweating or you're throwing up or you have diarrhea, right? You get to see in unpleasant technical detail, right, the uh, difficulty of the body, right, the unpleasantness of the body. And at the same time, we're all very beautiful, too. So just like anything in nature, we're all very beautiful. So like the flowers, like the trees, right? like all of the animals, everyone here is a beautiful, unique embodiment of nature. Right? Like No one will ever be you. No one has ever embodied in this way, ever, and no one will again. Right? The course of our lives is actually the result of embodiment. Right? So we're actually carrying in our bodies sort of the, the DNA, the karma, if you will, of all of our ancestors. You know, how tall we are, what we look like, right? what our hair is like, uh, all that stuff, right? So you adjust it a little bit by cutting your hair this way and that, and nutrition and exercise, right? But the, the basic uh, blueprint is there, right, already. In fact, this retreat is actually a manifestation of embodiment as well. So as people of color on this retreat, we have some shared experience of embodiment, a shared experience of embodiment that makes it seem like a good idea to come together and practice, to build this community together. So embodiment is part of our path and actually can be the doorway through which we enter liberation as well. So what makes it difficult to be embodied? What makes it difficult to actually be completely present in your body all the time? Because it seems not so hard. So when stretching out, when walking, when sitting, when eating, why can't you just be present all the time? So part of it is that we have a habit not to be. So we have a habit of living in our thoughts, so living in our own worlds. And we lose track of what's actually happening in the body until something calls us back. So if this has been your experience of this day, then you're uh, just like all of us, basically. So some people come to meditation and they say, like, I tried it and I really wasn't very good at it, you know. Mm. And, And to me, that's like people who say, like, you know, I went to play basketball, I picked up a basketball, I threw it at the hoop, it didn't go in. I'm not good at basketball, so forget about it, right? So all of us have these minds that are going all over the place, right, to different extents. And depending on what it is that you were doing just before coming here, right, 
the momentum of that will carry you. So just because we come to a different place here and sit down into a meditative posture, right, it doesn't mean that everything else falls into place. Right? So the momentum of whatever you were doing with your mind continues, and the momentum of your body continues too. Right? So some of you might have found today that you were really tired. Right? Anyone relate to that? There was just this exhaustion coming up. right? Yeah. So this has to do with some momentum, right? The momentum of the mind and body. And suddenly it's like, stop, right? Busy, busy life, trying to get everything together to come here. And suddenly, stop, right? Some of you may experience that there was extreme restlessness in your body, right? Someone find this too? Like you try to sit still and it's just like, you feel like you're going to jump out of your skin, right? It's like unbearable to be here. So this also is a pattern of energy of the body. Right? Now the good news is that everything is impermanent. So in case some of you had some of this experience and thought, oh no, now I'm going to have a whole week of being sleepy, or now I'm going to have a whole week of being restless, right? or a whole week of whatever, right? uh, likely is not going to be true. It might be a whole week with breaks interspersed of those things. You, know? uh, you might alternate sleepy and restless. You know? but, uh, it's unlikely to be one thing all the way through. Right? So this is another aspect of what we learn when we pay attention to the body, is actually that everything is always changing. Right? So the sensations of our body are always changing. Right? The body itself is always changing in different ways. Like the cells are actually constantly changing, regenerating. Right? Your hair is constantly growing. Right? Your nails are growing. And when you're on retreat, you actually get a chance to experience this, to pay attention to this and notice this in a more careful way. So when you're doing the walking meditation back and forth, it seems like you're just doing the same thing. But actually, each step feels different. So if you pay attention, you can notice this. Like It depends on so many different things, how it feels. But each step is actually completely different. And in fact, each part of every step is completely different, too. So tuning into this is actually a helpful aspect of tuning into this aspect of change. Another aspect of paying attention to the body, this part of our teachings, is to pay attention to the fact that there is something impersonal about our experience in some ways. So we're usually very identified with our body. right? So this is me. This is my face. This is my breath. So on one level, that's true. There's this relativity of who's who. And it's helpful to know that so you know like what shoes to put on when you leave here and so on. Right? But another level, when you're actually paying attention to, in a very detailed way, your breath, right? where is the me in that? Like, Where can you find any solidity of self that you can hang on to? Right? You actually can't. So when you notice the change that goes through all of our existence, right? You can notice that actually there's nothing really to hold on to, including in our own body. So you're going to have to check this out yourself and uh, practice to see if this is actually true. So mindfulness is actually related to this, is very non-egotistical. So mindfulness is not about a sense of ego, right? It's not about here's me doing this thing. It's about being present, not at a distance from experience, but actually 
completely inside of the experience. Right? So you can pay attention to this when you're practicing. Like, what is my relationship to experience of the body or of the breath? So does it feel like there's like a me here who's observing, right? Uh, Is there some separation? So the sense of presence that we're going for is one that's completely connected, right? So not even like a slight distance, completely connected and completely in the experience of whatever it is in the body. So just the way as if you submerge your hand into a glass of water, you can feel it's cold, it's hot, something like that. So just like that, when we are mindful of the body, it's feeling like, what's the experience of the body in that way? Is the body cold? Is the body hot? Is it tingling? Is there pain? Is there unpleasant experience? Does it feel good? Is there pleasant experience? Is there stretching? Is there tension? So just knowing it for exactly what it is, but without some sense of, oh, this is me, this is mine, right? Just clear seeing like that. Mindfulness is also nonviolent, I would say. So mindfulness is nonviolent and non-coercive. So in meeting whatever your experience is exactly as it is, you're actually not trying to make it something different. So that's kind of a radical thing. It's, it's actually a radical way to be in relationship to anything or anyone. Right? And it's a really helpful thing to practice in relationship to oneself. So think about all the ways in which you might dissatisfy yourself, right? All the things that you don't want to have be the way they are, right? So you might have a long list or a short list of them, right? Some having to do with physical attributes, some having to do with uh, ways that you are in terms of your behavior, right? So mindfulness is bringing the sense of presence without any kind of judgment, coercion. You need to be different, right? Just see it as it is. If there's judgment, then you can actually just see the judgment for what it is. Okay, this is judgment, right? But just knowing whatever it is about yourself as it is. So here's also where it connects with the metta practice that we're doing in the uh, afternoons, this uh, practice of loving kindness. So I really encourage all of you to do that practice and then bring it in as much as you can uh, and as much as you need to in your regular practice too. So mindfulness has this sense of kindness about it, of acceptance, right? of whatever it is that's happening in our body, in our mind. Right? And it's the kind of quality of acceptance that you would have if it was a good friend who you love, who you're with, right? who's having this experience. Right? Or a child who you really love. Right? So in that case, you would just want to know, well, what's going on with you? Right? And you would feel, you would hear whatever it is, but you wouldn't need to tell them to do it differently. You wouldn't necessarily need to tell them that I want to hear a different answer. So if you encounter someone who's a good friend you haven't seen in a long time, you might say, like, how are you? And the friend might say, I'm great. All these good things have happened to me. Or the friend might say, I'm really doing badly. I've lost uh, a lot of money. My job is going badly. Uh, My apartment leaks, you know, all kinds of things. So in that case, you just listen. Like, you don't need that friend to only give you the good news because you love them, you care about them. Right? If they say things are going badly, you listen to that, right? And you don't immediately need to get into, like, well, have you tried putting duct tape on that? Have you tried, you know, right? 
that sense of love is that you listen, like you're just present with that. Right? So that's the same quality that we want to bring to being present with our own body too, with our own mind, with our own experience. Another encouragement for practicing with all of this is actually the slowing down aspect, right? Now, you may find some resistance to doing this uh, as you come on retreat because of that momentum of energy, right? Or momentum of how quickly you tend to do things. So just notice that. Notice what that feels like in that pressure, right? And then see if you can just relax into it, right? So like I was saying, basically, we're doing nothing in many different postures, right? So you might as well relax, right? So notice that sense of pressure to like get to the walking spot, right? Or that sense of pressure to, you know, go down the hill really fast or something like that, right? See if like, okay, can I actually just rest back, drop back into my own experience, be in the body, be in the body as I'm moving, right? Now you can move quickly. So mindfulness doesn't have to happen at a particular speed, right? You can be mindful and move fast. But notice that sense of rushing. That sense of rushing is a thing to pay attention to. Because the sense of rushing is pushing you out of the present moment, right? Reaching for what might be happening in the next moment, this illusory next moment that might be something better, we think, right, than what's happening right now. Right? So this is a habit of mind, right? So just noticing that. See if you can relax back and just be here right, with whatever it is. Notice also the tendency of mind, of attention, to not want to pay attention to what's happening in your own body, to be embodied, right? but to pay attention to other people's bodies. Right? So in this practice, uh, that's not encouraged as your doorway for liberation, is uh, you know, <laughs> focusing on other people's bodies. Right? Uh, this is actually an opportunity to pay attention to your own experience of your body. Right? But still, there's a habit right, of doing that oftentimes. Right? Oh, what's that guy doing over there? Hey, look at how he's walking, right? What does it say on her t-shirt? Right. Right. Uh, I wonder where she got those socks, right? So this uh, kind of uh, commentary and being drawn outwards, right? So you don't need to judge yourself, castigate yourself for that, but just notice when it's happening and just kind of bring yourself back in, right? So this practice requires a lot of patience, right? A lot of patience, a lot of kindness, right? And it might be that this happens like hundreds of times in just one walking period, say, right? As you're walking, you get distracted and come back, come back, come back. Right? So like I said, this is kind of like your intimate week-long time with yourself, right? So when you're doing that, it's kind of akin to like if you're at a party and uh, you're talking to someone and then you see someone else out of the corner of your eye and you start looking over your shoulder at that person, right? So you might have had the experience of the party of the other side when someone's talking to you and then they're kind of drifting as if like to looking for someone better to talk to, right? right? Like oh, maybe, someone, maybe someone else more interesting is coming in, right? Maybe something else is going to happen that's better, right? So this is actually what you're doing when you're drifting away from attending to your own experience, right? Attending to your own uh, body-mind process, right? It's kind of like that. Like you're at the party and you're drifting away from yourself. Like 
wonder if that guy's more interesting than me. Like, okay, notice that. Come back, right? Come back. And come back with as much compassion as you can, too. So patience, compassion, really helpful. Sense of humor also is really helpful. So the mind has no pride. We'll think anything. We'll drift anywhere, right? (laughs) It will seem like you're putting yourself in these postures, right? Uh, In a very dignified way. It will seem also like everyone else's too, right? But you don't know what's going on in their mind, right? Uh, So the first step is doing that. But just notice, you know, it'll just go and, you know, just bring it back again, right? Uh, And just having a sense of humor, like, okay, that's the 50th time that thought's come through. Like, okay, coming back, coming back, coming back, right? So our practice here is this being present very simply, very, in a very embodied way, right? in a way that we usually don't get to do, too. So for me, one of the beauties of retreat is actually having this time to live really simply. So it's different to not have to do a lot of different complex things, but it actually is also really beautiful. So here you actually have the time to pay attention to how it feels when you tie your shoe. So notice this when you go to the walking, and you're rushing to do that, right? To get to your walking. Like, oh, no, actually, just being present with that, right? In some ways, it's like being able to be a child, right? So if you're a little kid, if you uh, are in an environment in which you're fed and feel safe, then, like, you can pay attention to these little details, right? So allow yourself to do that, right? Allow yourself to relax into the practice. Allow yourself to just enjoy being embodied as much as you can, Like, allow yourself to notice the details. For example, washing your hands, right? So we washed our hands probably many times today, right? So what does it feel like, the water, when you wash your hands? Is it cold or is it hot, right? What does it feel like to be wet? What does it feel like going from there to drying your hands? And then what does it feel like when they're dry, right? So just these simple things, these simple aspects of our life that we usually don't pay attention to. And you may still not be paying attention to them, right? Because our habit is to think about the past and plan for the future. So these are just habits of mind. So just notice them and just come back again, come back again, come back again, right? So practicing the sense of presence, practicing this embodiment. Another aspect of being embodied is noticing ourselves as part of nature. So this was alluded to in the uh, first evening also. So another thing I enjoy about being in retreat is spending a lot of time outdoors, right? As you're kind of forced to, right? Uh, But noticing that it's really the same elements that are there in the natural world that are here in our bodies. So we're really part of the landscape here. We're part of the animal life. We're part of the world, right? We're part of the environment. We're not separate from that, right? In the same way, we're subject to the same laws of the way things work, right? We're subject to the same forces. We're constructed of the same materials, too. 
we're fragile, just like the animals are fragile. So in your wanderings, you also may have seen uh, signs of animal death here, right? So you see squashed insects or uh, lizards or something like that, right? So our bodies are very fragile too, right? The physical body. There's something very poignant about that. Like it takes a lot to actually keep us healthy and safe, right? It takes a lot to actually keep us alive, to feed us, uh, to give us liquid, to rest ourselves enough. And when you reflect on this, it can bring a sense of compassion, right? A sense of compassion for yourself, for your own life. And then as you reflect, actually, for all of us, because all of us are in the same boat with that, right? Every single one of us. So I encourage you to take this opportunity here in our lab to practice being embodied. So developing this awareness of just what it's like to be a human being for yourself. So practice this intimacy with your own experience of all the simple things that you do during the day. From the time that you wake up till the time that you go to sleep, there's endless opportunities to see and experience what it's like to be a human being here, right? To pay attention to your life in ways that you may not have the opportunity to pay attention at other times. So to live as a human being instead of a human doing, as they say. To slow down, to relax, to put down the ideas that we have about ourselves, to put down the reading, the writing, And just be present for whatever it is, including sleep, (laughs) which is also a natural aspect of things. Actually, it's very interesting to pay attention as you lay down in bed uh, to what it's like as you're tired in bed, right? And to pay attention to what it's like as you're falling asleep, if you can, right? If you're paying attention with too much energy, then you don't fall asleep, right? Because you're like, what's going to happen? When am I going to fall asleep, (laughs) right? But it can be interesting if you can pay attention in a very gentle way to like what it's like in your body like as you're starting to uh, fall asleep, right? You can feel yourself relax, right? If you want to, you can actually pay attention to your breath as you're starting to drift off to sleep, right? If you want a real challenge, you can see if you can notice whether you're falling asleep on the in-breath or the out-breath, right? right? Whichever it is, is okay. There's no right answer to that, right? Uh, but just being present in all these different ways with our, uh, our experience. And then when you wake up, feel what that's like. Right? What's it like when I first wake up? What's it like in my body? Right? What does the body feel like when I first get out of bed, stretch? Right? All of that. So we don't need to be fancy. We don't need to be complicated. Everything that we need for liberation is here in your four-foot, five-foot, six-foot, six-and-a-half-foot body, right here. You have all the equipment that you need. I'd like to close with a quote from a Thai meditation master, Ajahn Moon, who is an amazing teacher, lived in the late 1800s and uh, to, until 1949. So his practice was very much about contemplation of the body. And here's what he has to say. In your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature See the elements that comprise it. 
See the impermanence, the suffering, the selflessness of the body while sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of the mind can shine forth, timeless and delivered. In your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature, see the elements that comprise it, see the impermanence, the suffering, the selflessness of the body, while sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of the mind can shine forth, timeless and delivered. So let's sit with our bodies for a moment or two. You can just be however you are. So if you've been listening to the talk and have lost track of how it feels in your body, you can reconnect again. Does it feel tired? Is there a lot of energy? Are there parts of the body that feel hot or cold? Are there any parts that are sore? Just connecting to the breath. And knowing that, however that is, it doesn't have to be different than it is. Your body is the perfect vehicle for liberation. You have everything you need right here. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.